0: Get into Geek, talking movies, TV, all that sort of jazz. Tonight, though, we are talking solely Marvel's MCU latest Thor, Ragnarok, Uh shortened movies team here tonight. My name is Mitch. Joining me, Matty Gibson. Yo. We are here to talk about Thor, and uh, let's set it off the right way, the way that the trailer first kicked it off a few months ago, with a little bit of Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Such a good It is. The immigrant song, if you're not familiar. Call yeah. well, that great one from Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I've been I've played with this audio a little bit, so yeah. uh, there's no lyrics you, in this except for the screaming. there. But if
1: you don't get pumped by that riff, chances are you may be dead. Because it just pumps you
0: up. Now, a really cool thing I've read about during the week. Now, it obviously features quite heavily in uh, the first trailer of uh, the film. And I don't think I'm going to be spoiling anything in particular. When I say this, it does feature in the film as well. A really cool soundtrack. It's like Taika Waititi, the new director from New Zealand, one of our very own almost, I think he does live in (laughs) Australia, has... uh... It's like when we try to claim Sam Neill. Yes. It's like he's seen it as a challenge with James Gunn to have a really kick-ass soundtrack. Now, whilst Thor doesn't feature as many songs, it has some really... Really cool 80s style music. It was yeah. like it was a bit Tron Legacy light. Just that, that the, the the sort of tunes, the the tweaks that they had on uh, on the on there the regular. Was, there was score. even
1: a moment there when I was like, "Is that the theme from Stranger Things?" Yes, yeah, I yeah. I was yeah. like,
0: "That's kind of cool." Yeah, using the same sort of you know old keyboards, bit and of shit. synth. Yeah, it was really really that cool. A bit of synth. So Tiger, I read, actually used that song, uh, the Immigrant Song as part of his pitch to Marvel to score the directing duties for Thor Ragnarok. And they obviously loved it enough. He uses it in the trailer. It features in the film. Pre-Guardians
1: of the Galaxy, they would have gone, you're nuts, go away, we'll get a real director. (laughs)
0: Post-Guardians of the Galaxy, they're like, um, yes, that's perfect. And look, it's not a bad place to start talking about this film by bringing up director Taika Waititi, who his last film... Barely 18 months ago with Hunt for the Wilderpeople, People, one of my favorite movies of last year, just an absolute, just like a gem of a movie, just such a, a cool, heartfelt, all that sort of stuff, but hilariously funny, weird, and wacky New Zealand film. Just a kid and an old man just trekking through the bush. Wonderful film. He had just been hired by uh, Marvel at that stage to direct Thor. was bringing the filming to Australia. Everyone's paying attention to Thor. It's like this is an established character, an established franchise, a character that appears in other movies in this grand franchise that is the MCU. How is his very unique style going to fit into a franchise that, for better or worse, has been accused of being a bit same-same? You know, you can look at the Avengers, and at times it does feel like a Captain America movie, as much as it feels like an Iron Man movie, as much as it feels like a Thor, and to a lesser extent, a Hulk film. What's he going to do with, uh, with a third Thor film? And his fingerprints, to borrow someone's terminology uh, as we walked out of the cinema tonight, are all over this movie. Yeah. Uh, whether you like his style uh, or not. I don't know, but this does reek of Taika Waititi. And for the most part, it, it does really work. Like, his humour is is very funny. And when he's able to inject that same sort of style humour that he has really made his own films famous for, and, you know, to, to really put a, a, a bland sort of term on it, the Kiwi comedy, which we love his, his style for, Really shines through in many areas of, of this film. I
1: think it fits in well to the MCU because to me, as I as I was watching it tonight, it did have a little bit of a Joss Whedon vibe. Mm. The you know the, the the quippiness and the and the subverting expectations, taking you know finding the humor in the serious moments, finding the serious in the funny moments, and that sort of thing. So I think in that regard, it still had enough of a touchstone to the sort of you know Phase One MCU films. But then obviously, it's sort of taken what Guardians of the Galaxy in particular have done and run with it. And I think that's really good in terms of bridging the gap between the two, Mm. you know, because obviously, you know, heading in towards infinity war, we're going to, we've got to bring all these people together Mm. and uh, guardians is so broad and, and sort of comedic and, and sci-fi. Then you've got these really sort of earth based Tony Stark, uh, Steve Rogers and that sort of stuff. And then this heightened reality, Shakespeare style Thor Asgard, I think this is a really nice sort of branching of those to bring everything together so that you're not going to get sort of that weird sort of jarring, oh,
0: what am I watching? These mm. characters are doing this, aren't doing the right thing when they all do come together in, in Infinity Wars. I think it's more evident than ever before how much of an impact Guardians of the Galaxy, even just the first one, has had on this entire mm. franchise. The MCU, I mean. Yeah. Because that was the first real skewing away from what we came to know about the MCU yeah, and really it was, changing it up stylistically. Yeah, and you were able to yeah, style and 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 the tone, the comedic tone, you were able to get away from whatever the MCU was because it was set so far away from Earth that it could feel a little bit different. And then you think about what came after Guardians. Now, Avengers 2, a little bit of a different story, but then you had Ant-Man, and that was a highest film but very comedic-based because, I mean, Paul Rudd didn't only star in that. He helped write the script as well. Mm. And then we had uh, Civil War, which I know when we did our Get Into uh, Geek review of that, I found that in times where I would have liked a little bit more drama-only sort of feel to it and scenes, um, there was a lot more comedy sort of thrown in. All these reviews up uh, from our back catalogue on all of our channels, you can go check them out. Um, that they were injecting comedy more and more, and then Guardians two come along, and as much as Guardians one really sort of you know opened it up to the franchise what they could do with comedy in this superhero action world, Guardians two probably was a little bit too much Guardians of the Galaxy in a way, and mm. then Spider Man, I, I know that you know that's it's different as well because it's not the same studio just making the film, and then Thor. Completely different to what we saw in Thor 1 and Thor 2. Well, here's a bit of interesting trivia for you. Just basically sort of breaking down what you are basically talking
1: about is Phase 3. Was was when Doctor Strange was the beginning of Phase 3, yeah? Uh, Civil War was, yeah. yeah. Well, basically post-Civil War. So, Doctor Strange, Guardians 2, and Spider-Man Homecoming. I'm yet to purchase any of those on any kind of home media. DVD, Blu-ray, yeah. down, anything like that. I own everything else except for, you know, Hulk, Um, everything else up to that point. But Homecoming was like in stores the other day and I walked through and I picked it up and then I put it back down again. Mm. Whereas I can definitely say with Ragnarok, I may see it again in cinemas Mm -hmm. and I know I will definitely be adding that to my collection.
0: Yeah. There There were moments where I found myself like struggling to get into the movie and then there'd just be this quippy line of dialogue and I'd be laughing out loud. I might've been the only one among the people around me that was laughing at that, but it would just get me straight back into the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm right in this. The music had come in and then the action was, there's some great action scenes in this yeah. movie, especially to kick things off. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm back in. And then it'd just take me out a bit because I'm like, okay, that's comedy where I don't think that mm. I need it. And I then it would get me back in again.
1: I did notice between the three of us, you, you mean Link, we all got to sit together and i was sitting between you two. Um, And I found we were all laughing at the same points, but then there were certain parts individually. Each of the three of us laughed without the other two laughing. There were moments where we all sort of found humour in something that the other two didn't Mm. all the way through. And I did hear you sort of kind of just sort of sighing and just...
0: Oh, I hope cu- I didn't a do that. Of I don't times. feel like I have no, need. Heard, yeah. Oh, a God. No, times. I didn't mean that. I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> but I've done that with the whole <laughs> yeah. cinema, actually. So we were in a packed house. It was it was our yeah, preview screening, like 350 people, Great packed cinema, and there were just pockets of people laughing mm. at different things. So there's something for everybody. Because I feel like at one stage or another of the film, there were people really laughing. Like out loud enjoying this film. And then there were other times where everybody got right into it. Yeah. There was never a dull moment in the cinema. There wasn't a, no. a, a joke that was that was thrown out that no one reacted to. I made to. the
1: I made the distinction that it reminded me very much of Deadpool in the fact that I'm going to have to go back and
0: see it a second mm. time. Oh, absolutely. Because I missed jokes. Yeah. Because we were laughing at the previous one. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think key character moments where you picked up on, on a line that someone would deliver that Revealed something about their character, and I'm like, I don't, I didn't, I didn't hear that, but that's mm. because people were laughing over yeah. the beginning of the sentence, so the second half made no sense. But yeah, like to, to to take it back, I guess to what other people would expect this film to be, it's a superhero movie, it's in space, it's action heavy. You know, it starts off and it's very comedy based, but then the first action scene starts and the music they use for it, and I thought, wow, okay, this isn't. It's not like they've just brought in Taika to. Be a comedy director, which would be stupid to assume anyway. But it looked as sleek and as cool to look at as any great action scene in this entire franchise. Really, mm. like it was Thor among a horde of bad guys, there and were... I was I, I was picturing what I was seeing on screen on a comic book page and thinking, Fuck, "That looks awesome." There were a couple of moments, though. One
1: in only one moment in that sequence, and a couple uh, in the sort of in the finale, where it was a little bit. Batman v Superman. Mm. Now I. I <laughs> oh, we all know how you feel about know, BBS, mate. I'm trepidatious, but <laughs> just in the in probably the final render of the of the mixing real life Chris Hemsworth with the CG. You know when he, you know jumps up with the hammer to do a big you know Thunderstrike or something like that. Yeah, there was a couple of moments, and even however much I loved Wonder Woman, there were a couple of moments in the final battle scene of Wonder Woman that were the same where there was this, they lost their sense of weight. So there was one moment in the opening battle that did that, and a couple more uh, later on where I was like, "Oh, I think they should have just done another pass on that particular mm. shot because it was very un MCU for me." Yeah, because everything is always so polished, and there's a there's a weight to to any kind of you know augmentation from CG and all that sort of stuff. Because they've done it so well in, you know, what Black Panther and um and Tony's Iron Man suit, especially mm. in Civil War. You know, when you see the behind the scenes and see how little of the suit they're actually wearing. Yeah, on it's set. incredible now to think of where they started too. Yeah. Yeah. To what they can get away with now. So yeah, there are a few moments there where I was a little bit Oh, I wish they'd done another pass on that. And there was a couple of moments and again I hate to use this this analogy, but a little bit Ghostbusters where there was just maybe one or two more jokes than was needed. Yeah. Just a couple. Just a couple of moments that I was like, oh, we could have stopped at two,
0: but we mm. went to three. But other than that, geez, it was good. It was fun. Like, it, it was a really fun time. And I, I just think it was such, for me anyway, it was just such a such a deviation that I don't mind the tone shift deviating away from what we've known to, mm. be, to be anything. I think you have to, to keep things fresh. Yeah. And
1: keep the plot moving. It's like, well, you look at... Us, now compared to where we were 10 years ago, we've changed, we've evolved, we've grown. Yeah, and I think that's what so I've got to, I I've got to accept to... a little bit,
0: because you've got Thor, who... I mean, I interviewed Chris Hemsworth at the, at the Australian premiere, and I said to him, you know, this is the fifth time that you're playing this character, or, you know, at least, at least the third time uh, in any uh, solo films. Is it any different now? Or you just wake up and you just know exactly what you're doing, you know who this character is. And he said, well, no, it is It is actually very different, which was a good thing for him because he, he actually mm. had gotten bored with what he was doing with the character. Yeah. And I can understand why, in a sense, because Thor is so serious and because he is putting on this sort of you know Shakespearean English accent and delivering lines in a certain way like that as well. And he has to sort of remain that, whereas you've got mm. Tony who's a little bit more fluid around him. And and even Steve Rogers, who is, you know, this goody two-shoes guy, still has his struggles with is that the yeah. right thing to do? He struggles with being that nice guy so that – Thor, in a way, has had little room to move with who he is. But that's what I love about that character, right? And how he fits within the Avengers mold. But I guess in his solo films, he does need to be able to branch out a bit more. So I appreciate them allowing him to do that. I just found from the get-go of this film, from where we left him last time to now where he's just taking the piss out of everything around him... I was a bit like is that is that really who he is and why has he w- what has happened to him in the last couple of years since we saw him in Age of Ultron that has made him loosen himself up in any given situation. I think that's the double-edged sword of of what MCU are doing in terms of the way
1: they're adding so much more to compare like if you compare what we're, where we're at now compared to sort of the first Avengers film. Mm. geez, we've tripled the the amount of sort of cast members and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So what we've we've Lived with these characters. We lived through Civil War and all these other movies, so we've seen these characters evolve. But
0: we haven't seen Thor since Age of Ultron. Yeah, which and feels like a long time. To- I mean, it's two and a half years ago. Yeah, so April, was, April 2015. Was that? I it 2014? No, 2015. So wow. it's only two and a half years in real time, but yeah. in the film, and this isn't a spoiler because I think they've revealed it in the in the lead up. If you're reading anything, mm. it's been two years since yeah. Age of Ultron for him that he's been travelling around. So we yeah. sort of pick up now. We don't get. To, you know so
1: it is hard for us as as watchers to go okay so what's he been doing for the last 2 years mm. we've
0: missed all that kind of stuff but i feel, yeah it really does feel like a long time since we've seen him because yeah. of the other new characters that have been so thrown like you said with black panther and things like that yeah and ant-man and spider and yeah, all that sort yeah, of yeah. stuff
1: so the mcu has evolved but thor's had to play catch up mm. so we've he's kind of had to sort of you know run ahead and and you know get to this point you know, and absorb, even though he's not had any contact with the Guardians, and we've had two Guardians movies, mm. yet he sort of had to play catch up to get him into the right headspace to sort of be able to then interact with all these characters. So I think it will be jarring for some people,
0: and it may be polarizing in terms of whether people love it or hate it. And you raise a good point about being a double edged sword, where it's actually the longest we've had to wait between sequels for an individual character's films like yeah. if they make an iron man 4 next year that's the longest but it it was 2013 but at thor least we've two. seen tony in between civil war yeah.
1: homecoming and that sort of stuff there's been those those touchstones through there yeah. and even in between you know the thor films we got to see thor in the avengers Yeah, films, yeah, yeah. you know so there's
0: but i just mean like you go into like you go into a Thor film now, even four years after, you kind of know what to expect. But then, unless you've been following the makeup of this film, knowing about Tycho, knowing what kind of real unique style he brings, especially compared to uh, any other Thor film or the way that Thor has been portrayed in any MCU film, this is going to be so different to what you know. I would say it's, personally, I think I
1: enjoyed it more than Guardians 2. I think it was more successful in what it was trying to do than Guardians 2. It was this fun, interesting, and I guess that that to, that is a bit of the, the the difference between this and and Guardians is Guardians was all the same characters. All we really introduced was Ego and Mantis. That was kind of the only new characters um, in Guardians too. Whereas Ragnarok, we we were introduced to so many mm. new, interesting, really great characters, and then also some mighty big world changes. Yeah, like, there's a for lot sure. of
0: world like things that are going to affect further movies in in Ragnarok. Now we are going to do a full spoilers chat, aside from this non-spoilers yeah. podcast as well. So uh, check back uh, a little bit later on; it may already be up on the channel, depending on when you're listening mm. to it. We'll go into all this detail once but, you have seen the film, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, definitely. This is definitely one where you don't you don't want spoilers
1: beforehand, and we will we will talk about that. I think in spoilers in particular, there's one thing I was a little bit irked about uh, with the trailers. The trailers show shots that weren't so much not in the film but drastically changed. Mm. Like, I can forgive Civil War when they just deleted the Spider-Man layer to save that as a, you know, a, reveal. As a reveal. But I hate to use the term, but it was almost deceitful. Mm. The trailers, what they showed compared to what was actually the finished product in the film. And mm. I just feel like they should have just removed those shots and let it be a reveal in the film rather than intentionally change it just because you can because of the advances with CGI and that
0: sort of stuff. And the so fact that will... everything is shown in front of a green screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I'll get into that in spoilers, but yeah, definitely don't don't spoil it because there's there's some really great world-building, world-changing events that go on in this one hmm. that you will definitely need to be on board
0: with, you know, for the next, you know, uh, Infinity War and possibly even Black Panther, who knows. And now you talk about the expanded cast. We'll touch on that quickly before we uh, wrap up the non-spoilers chat. I'd say where do we start? But we have to start with Kate Blanchett uh, as the Brilliant. first female villain, really, uh, lead female villain of the MCU. Oh, really? And I don't see gender, mate. So let's <laughs> <laughs> well, not go down that rabbit hole. Um, it was really fun to see Kate Blanchett having a lot of fun with this role. Like, mm. she's won an Oscar. She won two Oscars now. Like, she plus you have got uh, Gollum coming up in um Black Panther. Yeah, he's gonna be the. I villain mean, in uh, that. Bilbo, was, Bilbo. Is, is the CIA. You know, Jeez. you know, help. The, the, you know, we're we're just mixing great franchises here. No. <laughs> 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 so it was it was great to see her because I have got a lot of time for Kate Blanchett. I mean, if yeah. you don't, you know. Not a movie fan because she's such. A, she's one of the best actresses in the world. If possibly you've never seen ever. a movie, don't start with Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Though. Maybe don't even do it at <laughs> all. Like she was having fun in that role too. I th- actually think she was pretty good in that movie. Like she was just having fun, you know, putting mm. on a you know really uh, over the top Russian accent, all that sort of stuff. But here she gets to you know put on that Shakespearean sort of you know yeah. British sort of voice as well, and. Doing her up more like a comic book character than I think any other character in the entire I think Marvel franchise. Her
1: and, her and Scourge, Carl uh, Urban, I think are probably some of the, the most comic book accurate portrayals yeah. in terms of visual.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other one, of course, uh, Jeff Goldblum, uh, a very obvious new cast member, mm. and he as well looking... Very colourful. He's got a lot of blue to him, you know, a lot of bright colours, all lot of silvers and stuff as well. And playing the Grand Master and and just goldblum. Well, no, playing thing playing up. Jeff Goldblum in Goldblum. Oh Road, yeah, sure, really? you're right. It was very yeah. just Jeff Goldblum. Like I've not again read the comics. I don't know the character of the Grand Master, but I see pictures of him, and even the 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 character that I got from the pictures, how menacing he looked. I didn't get any of that tonight. But, no, I don't think there was no menace to Jeff Goldblum. Mm. But, but I geez, guess It the was some fun. It was, it was fun. And the body. way they built up his character in the world that he was present in explained why he might be the type of person that he was. Mm. So I was fine with that. We all go into yeah. his connections and if I you don't, don't know. I don't in think spoilers. you could have
1: a menacing Grandmaster and Hella in, in a film together. I no, think you're be, right. Yeah, it'd be too much mustache twirling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think by by giving Jeff Goblin the lighter side of of he's still very much in charge and an adversary, mm. by giving him more of a lighter, quirky sort of character, I think then allowed Kate Blanchett to do the very much more verbose, mm. you know, mustache twirler kind of villain. Yeah, which was so good.
0: It was good. I still think though, I come the end of the film. It it does for me carry on the tradition of the of the MCU movies. For ninety percent of them, she doesn't join the ranks of being one of the great villains. I think for the start of it, I'm like they're they're really they're really setting her up, and she had some great lines, some great action scenes. There were a lot of stakes. She posed a great threat. But then I think just going back and forth between two different um, locations that this film was in and her obviously disappearing from screen from time to time, obviously yeah. because of those location shifts, when she really comes back into the fold a lot more, I'm like, oh, yeah, you haven't really... You've, you've lost a little bit of oomph in the meantime that you've been gone. I yeah. think for me anyway, and and that's not well, they- completely different from the MCU because it, this, this whole franchise really, if it's accused of one thing, is that the villains aren't the priority. And I've read mm. interviews and heard interviews with Kevin Feige, the overlord of the whole thing, and he said the villains aren't their focus. They want to make their movies about their heroes. Yeah. And if that means the villains suffer, then so be it. Yeah, now which... I'm like, that kind of sucks because then you just sort of throw any villain in there. It's like, okay, be yeah. mustache twirling, say some mean things and show off some powers, but you don't get any development. Yeah, you know? the... So you shoving Kate Blanchett for me in this film, she covered up a lot of dodgy areas that a poorer actor or actress oh, God, yeah. would have made much more obvious to the audience. That this was an undeve- underdeveloped villain. So, with her, I think that it, it made it a lot more memorable than what it yeah. would have been otherwise. Well, the
1: whole reason everyone and all MCU fans tend to, you know, hold Loki up as the golden example of a great villain. Yeah. Because he has, you A, we have investment in him because of his connection to our heroes. Mm. Hella was a great villain, but in the majority of the film, when she's not toe to toe with Thor, she's pushed aside monologuing to Scourge. Kind of, and he's a brand new character. We're not invested in him. So Mm. she's monologuing, giving us backstory to a character we don't care about. So there was definite marks there where I'm like, oh, that's a bit cookie cutter. We, I think they could have serviced the character of hella better and we'll get into this in spoilers in the in the way if if, if they change some character beats around mm. I think it she could have been one of the the great memorable I think she still be memorable Oh for sure yeah. but yeah I think there was just a few moments where you're like oh I wish they'd, they'd given her more mm. more to do because she just chews up the screen you yep. just you're totally invested and in, in everything she does mm. just from her physicality to her, her turn of phrase is just yeah astonishing
0: all right let's get into spoilers because i I really want to talk about some heavier details of the stuff we're talking about but we really can't if you haven't seen the movie if you uh, have though please do join us in the spoilers and you can't listen to it regardless we're not going to stop you we're not police but uh (laughs) we would recommend don't ruin it for yourself there's already been spoilers going around on national tv uh, in print media in reviews of the goddamn film people dropping spoilers which pisses me off to no end so if you've managed to avoid that don't listen to us. Come back when you have seen the film and uh, agree with us, disagree with us. Hit us back on the socials and uh, send us an email, mm. whichever you want. Let us know what you thought. Uh, on uh, on the thing we missed. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much. There's so much we're going to bring up, even in spoilers, that, uh, that we're going to cover a lot of area and I still think we're going to miss so many of the Easter eggs that are out there and connections and things. So Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, search Get Into Geek. Drop us a line, GetIntoGeek at com. And again, um, I would say... 3D probably not worth it. No, yeah, I, that was. A I'm a little biased
1: because I wear glasses yeah. and it was very. I missed a lot because of sort of the distortion of the the you know that sort of stuff. But I don't think there was a lot that the 3D added to it. I did Go joke. In.
0: I did joke with you at the start because uh, we found out like just before the movie started. You know, we walk in and there was like, "Here's your 3D glasses." Yeah. I had no idea that it was a 3D screening. And the movie's about to start, and I said to you, imagine if Tiger had fun with this and made it really bad 80s 3D. <laughs> like the red and green, just yeah. <laughs> you know, slightly out of focus. So, yeah, I mean, there were a couple of moments where, you know, stuff is in your face, and you're sort of trying it hard to focus between the foreground and the background. But, yeah, I think if you just want to outright just enjoy this movie and not have anything get in your way, yeah, I, I would mm. skip 3D as well. Still the best thing th- since Civil War for me yeah no that's fair enough I guess um, yeah I mean I, I definitely like Doctor Strange more than more than you did but I think we've pretty much been on par with uh, everything since then with uh, with Guardians 2 and, and Spider-Man so all of our reviews for those films you can check out on the uh, on the social channels myself Mitch underscore Lewis Twitter and Instagram come along and talk some movies Matty at High Pitch Matty on Instagram go and talk to Matty about movies on his Instagram man check out some cool pics uh, you know, on the socials on the socials uh, until then uh, check back for our full spoilers chat of Thor Ragnarok it is in Australia Cinemas right now, and uh, let's do this again. Oh, it's early. Damn it. (laughs) That's what we want. Get into geek.com.